praise God. We've been doing some things, you know, uh, on prophecy a bit lately because all the stuff that's going on in the world, wars, Ukraine, uh, how wicked things are getting, and there's so many people with so many questions, you know, and, and uh, how are we going to react? And we have a dictator, uh, not really free elections, they claim it over in Russia, but they're not so free, uh, who, you know, is now rattling, you know, he, since the messages I gave on prophecy, uh, he's been even rattling more. They even f- test fired again. Uh, one of their, their huge, you know, hypersonics. And, and that one's called Satan too, by the way. It's called Satan too, that particular missile, you know. And it's really interesting. I mentioned, so weird, the Syrians and the, the you know, Iranians and being in cahoots with Russia and them working together based on what biblical prophecy says. And, and we don't believe that the prophecies specifically are just, you know, uh, we believe some of the territories in Turkey are being identified now as being uh, different cities in Russia, like, like Moscow, and people leave the Middle East out. We've long said the Middle East is part of it, you know, amen? But at the same time, we're also dealing with the farthest recesses of the North coming, right? Since I've given those messages, guess what? Syria, which is a long way from Russia and even the Baltic states, it's right there next to Israel, to the north of Israel, with a lot of hatred toward Israel, and that's where Putin has in their territory uh, hypersonic missiles, possibly with nuclear warheads, probably with nuclear warheads, right? Well, since that time, guess what? 16,000 Syrians have applied to fight with the Russians against Ukraine. That's a long way. And they've got like a tiger force of 700. All these crazy things are going on. And it's important to look at these things prophetically and say, wow, God's in control. Apply it to your life. You trust him, Amen. You trust that he's in control. He's written history in advance. You can have peace during these times and you can know that God's in control. One of the beautiful things about looking at the prophecies is to remind ourselves that God's in control, amen? But since I gave a few messages on prophecy, I didn't want to go into all the details of what I just brought up there and have a whole message on that. Uh, We will get into some more prophetic messages. I still will be doing, uh, you know, but I wanted to do it the right time. I was going to do it, consider doing it today. We're going to go to Mount Ebal and and Mount Gerizim and, and that, 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 uh, arch- that big archaeological find, which some put right up there with the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, the cursed tablets that were found on the mountain of cursing in the Bible that are like pff, way old, the oldest Hebrew writing ever written. They, they, the liberal theologians would say, well, the Hebrew language probably wasn't around for hundreds of years after that. that now they found a cursed tablet written in uh, ancient Hebrew. A blow mind. But it's not just the archaeological find. It's what that says and how that fits prophetically with a lot of the stuff we're talking about. It's going to be a, a blow mind message. I wanted to give that, but you know what? And then we're also up on, could do one in Babylon eventually. We're going through Revelation. It's a prophetic book and we're at the end. But you know what? I thought, you know what? Uh, and I've told you, I've got to stop once in a while. We're getting prophecy. It's so important because it does apply to our lives too. But we, I just wanted to give a more practical message today on just facing trials in general. And sometimes I, I let you know, whenever you're looking at the big tribulation and the trial, if you're ready for that, you're ready for anything. If I go through tribulation, I'm ready for that. It's like, this isn't going to stop me. Okay, so there's a lot of wonderful uh, encouragement we can get from how the Lord's going to protect us in the end. And, uh, but I want to look, kind of hone in on the smaller picture and just look at the trials that we could face and then what the scriptures say about them. And I'm going to give a series on trials, and it's not going to be every other every week because I'm in, going through. We want to get back to Revelation, right? We've been in Revelation studying end times, but every once in a while we'll be doing a, a teaching that's part of that series in in going through trials because that's super relevant. 
Does anybody here face trials ever? It might be relevant to your life a little bit. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, the, fir- the name of this message is Expect Unexpected Trials. Uh, first thing, uh, in order if I'm given a series, is uh, the scriptures tell us that uh, we're not supposed to freak out when trials happen as though some strange thing has happened to us. So I want you to go to 1 Peter 4.12. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, in 1 Peter 4.12, I'll give you a second to get there. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't be freaked out. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing was happening to you. And many people face trials, many Christians I can't believe, how can I be going through this? I'm a Christian. They get shocked. And Satan loves that because he loves shock and awe because he wants to defeat us. And one of the ways he defeats professing Christians in the parable of the sower is by bringing persecution or bringing thorns that come up amongst the plant, troubles of this life, trials. And that's a tactic of the enemy. And we have to be well-equipped to face the trials that in our lives. And... Many, many professing Christians, when they go through severe trials, they cling to the Lord. They say, okay, Lord, wow, I didn't expect this exact trial, but I expected trials, and I'm going to seek you through this. And I know that my life comes from you, and that you are my life. Others profess Christ, Christ Jesus, and they seem to have great testimonies for a time, but then when trials come, Jesus warned. They fall away. And may that not happen to us. And one of the ways we prepare for trials is we become very aware of what the Lord says about them. Now, it's interesting. Let's get the background just a little bit of First Peter. There's some persecution going on to a degree when Peter writes this letter in the you know, 60s, uh, early 60s, many believe. But It's not to the point where all the provinces that he's writing to, in fact, the provinces that he's writing to in the first couple of verses of 1 Peter chapter 1 are not going through systematic uh, persecution that's state-sponsored by by the leaders of of those provinces to where Christians are being killed. It's more general persecution like we go through today, although he's also preparing them for greater tribulation and greater trials. And I think that's really appropriate when we look at this epistle because we realize, wow, Peter's talking to, it can apply to believers here who go through more subtle persecutions than those, say, for instance, in uh, the Middle East, in countries where you can get your head cut off for, for becoming a Christian, or in China and other places. But look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens. Okay, we're aliens in this world. A lot of video games are made about killing aliens. I know when I was a little kid, or I should say a young, young guy at working at Mike's Pizza, I got the highest score for some time in our pizza place and the customers on Space Invaders. I love Space Invaders. You know, I kill those aliens, right? Well, guess what? On this planet, we're the aliens, okay? <laughs> Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. 
May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. God wants us to experience grace and peace in the fullest measure. Amen? So we have an awesome God. And these provinces he writes to are northern provinces in, uh, northern provinces, I should say, north in, in northern Asia Minor. We've talked about Asia Minor a lot and the seven letters written to the churches and different letters that are written like to Colossae, which is, not even in Asia, which is in Asia Minor, but not in one of the seven churches. Well, he's addressing the five, five of the northern provinces of Asia Minor, which is a huge area of believers up there, preparing them for persecution, but also encouraging them to meet their trials by the grace of God and be successful in the things that they will go through. So back to 412. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. I remember, you know, as a young believer, that verse always and to, since to this day, it leaves a, a good taste in my mouth. Like, thank you, Lord. I'm like, no, no, can't believe you said that. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for letting me know ahead of time that I don't need to, that I shouldn't freak out. That I need to be ready when I go through trials and, and that trials are going to happen. But notice in verse 13, he says, but to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, what? Keep on what? Keep on rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing. Right? Now, he's going to give us different ways and reasons to keep on rejoicing. See, this is the problem. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's a good thing. Amen? We have the joy of the Lord. It's hard for the enemy to tempt us and get us off the narrow path. Amen? But... If you can't rejoice in your trial and you get bitter instead of better, then you become prey to the enemy because then you can start entertaining the thoughts because the devil will stick thoughts in your head and in your heart when you're going through things. And if you're rejoicing and saying, Lord, you're at work, I'm going to trust you. This is so painful, but I trust you because you're a good God. Amen. Good word, sister. Way to start us off. All of you that gave praise reports because he's good and you're focused on him. The enemy is going to be like bouncing off, you know, Teflon, you know, boom. It's not going to stick. It's not going to stick. The temptations, the enemy, you're like, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can't tempt me to get away from the Lord if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, right? But man, if I'm not rejoicing in the Lord, I'm like, how could this happen to me? I can't believe I'm going through a trial. I'm a Christian, which is a false form of Christianity that teaches we don't go through trials. Then it's not tef, like Teflon bouncing off. We become like, you know, Vroco to temptation. <laughs> Whatever, you know. Some people say, oh, you know, they'll go through a trial. It's like all of a sudden, I think I might have a drink, you know, catch a buzz because I'm going through this. Instead of seeking the Lord and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. All kinds of professing Christians turn to the bottle instead of turn to Jesus. And when you're going through trials, you can't turn to the bottle as a Christian and claim to be a Christian if you're getting drunk through your trials. That's not how we're supposed to call, handle trials. A lot of people, when there's a funeral, after the funeral, they'll go and get drunk. A lot of professing Christians will do that as well. That's not biblical. And we have to make sure as Christians, and I know a lot of what I'm going to say is like just a lot of practical wisdom from Scripture that's going to really help you in your trials through this series. And one of the main things you need to know from the very beginning is, yes, you are going to. Jesus said all those, I'm sorry, Jesus said in John 16, to, to, he told us, you know, to not freak out, basically. He said in the world, you will have what? Tribulation. tribulation. Not you might have tribulation. 
You have tribulation. It's going to happen. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have flipsis, which that word originally meant to be squeezed between two rocks. It could be painful, but he doesn't let us go through more than we can handle. You're going to have flipsis. He said, but be of good cheer. There it is again. Be of good cheer because I have what? Overcome Overcome the world. Amen? He gives us victory. He has overcome the world. So in the text, and by the grace of God, you know, and me being extra vigilant today, we'll still get done, right, hopefully on time. I shouldn't say we'll still get done on time as I get done on time. I should say it better. I'll get done on time, hopefully today. Uh, But I want to look at 10 ways and reasons you can rejoice in your trials according to 1 Peter in the verses right before us. Just a few verses Okay? If you want to write things down, you're like one of those folks that, like, man, I like to write down, and this is, this is how, I, how I approach this problem, and these are the practical things I need to do. It's a good time to write things down. These are 10 things. Uh, you can circle the things in, in the text, and you don't have to write them down. You can maybe circle the different texts I reference, and then you'll, you'll say, yeah, I remember that, and you can meditate upon this later, and they'll help you out through the trials that you face. And then when you start going through a trial, you're like, I can't believe I'm going, oh, wait, wait, that's right. What was Peter say? First Peter 4. That's right. Remember, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. Amen? Okay, so uh, 10 ways and that we endure these, these, these trials and temptations is we recognize that, uh, well, and I'm going to get to the surprise part as one of the 10 ways, not being surprised. But I don't want to start with that, even though I've mentioned that, because that's the main thing we start with in verse 12. But I want to look at the very first word in verse 12. And since I have to go through 10, I I look at it this way. Since I get to go through 10, because I've been excited about sharing this with you. uh, Since I get to, or we get to go through 10, even better, uh, I I can't spend a lot of time on each one. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. And I don't want this to be a two-part message. So, but I'm, so we're going to have to hoof it a little bit, but not too fast, because I want you to receive and understand and meditate with me on these scriptures. But the very first word, verse 12. And when I had my list, I'm like, and then I combed through my, this text over and over again, and I was like, my list kept getting bigger, you know. Started out with just, you know, a few. Then it was like 10. And beloved, I'm like, you, I can't skip beloved, the very first word in the very first verse. When you're going through trials, remember that you are beloved by God. Amen. We are called the beloved Jude, the first couple verses, you know, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother James to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father. We are beloved in God the Father. Amen? Do you know what it means to be beloved? That means God radically loves you. Does God love his son? This is my... Beloved son, Jesus, God's the father said at his baptism, amen. Wow. With that Trinitarian love with which he loved the son from the beginning. Yet, check it out, guys. That's the same love. Jesus said in John chapter 17, it blows me away. still freaks me out when I read these verses in John 17. Jesus says to the father, he praises the father. He goes, you have loved them, the disciples, those who follow Christ, you guys. Disciples them, but not just any. Because Jesus says that same prayer. I don't just pray for them, but those who will believe after them through their word. That's us. He says, you've loved them with the same love with you have loved me. That's the most, that's the greatest amount of love, you guys. You are beloved. Amen? Beloved. 
In fact, Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 5, and 6, he predestined us for adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his gl- glorious grace, which he, which, check this out, which he has freely given us in the beloved one. And so we're, the belo- we're beloved because we're in the beloved one, because we're created in God's image, because he so loved us he sent his son for us, because he incorporated us into the body of Christ, because he planned and predestined us according to his plan of salvation. It says he predestined according to his plan that whoever would believe would be saved. So those of you who believe, he, he knew you would. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says the verses we read, it says that we're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. So he foreknows who will receive him and who will reject him. It's very clear in Scripture. And, and to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit, right? To be cleansed by the blood of Christ. That's radical love. So when you're going through a trial, it's imperative. It's huge. And I was like, Lord, I'm so glad you put beloved there. What a great way to start to, to focus on the one out of ten. Amen? The, the one, is a great, it's great, like, like, like bookends, how this thing starts and ends. I'm like, man, this is powerful how Peter wrote this. Because when you go through a trial... And you know you're loved by God and he cares about you and he gave his son for you, amen? And that he has a plan and he's in control, he's sovereign, amen? It'll help you not be shaken, amen? It'll help you get to the point, sorry sister, just get teary looking at you because I know what, we have a sister that's going through a lot right now, a couple weeks ago, lost your wonderful husband who had become a Christian they visited once, and I wasn't even going to say this, but there you are. And I, I'm seeing you shake your head up and down like, she gets it. Praise God. I know she's gotten it since the time I met her. And her name is Jennifer, and she's sitting next to Julie. Awesome sisters, and, and they love the Lord. And, but, but she's clinging to Jesus, and, she, and she's able to see God's hand and his love through this whole thing. To the point of when I first met her, she started, the tears were flowing, but she's trusting the Lord. And she knows that her husband's loved and that she's loved, and you guys have been listening for some, you know what? John Heber, man, planting seeds, bro. John at the tire shop, tire pro, gives her, they sold their souls for rock and roll. Her, and her husband, her husband's a DJ, right? Yeah, many years ago, right? Oh, 10 years ago or so? 2012? 10 years ago. Service to companies, trucks. Okay, well, praise the Lord. And uh, he gave her and witnessed to her and shared other stuff with her tapes, and they began listening. And eventually, Lord, boom, got a hold of them. And then they found out they didn't know that, that we're right here in town. And uh, so praise the Lord for, Jen, what the Lord's doing in your life. And, but knowing the Lord loves you through this trial has been huge, you know. And he loves, I just talking to people that are going through trials, I sense his love through me for them, which is Holy Spirit. He loves us, amen. Whether another brother or sister's loving you, the Holy Spirit's there, and God's there showing his love to you. You just have to receive it through your trial. We're beloved. We're beloved. And it's huge, like I said, when you're in a trial because Satan wants to get you to think, well, you're that one person that God doesn't love. Or you're one of those few that he just, you know, didn't predetermine to be saved. And No, God so loved the world. Whosoever could be saved, he loves everyone. The Bible says God is, there's no partiality with God. If we don't get saved, it's because we reject his love. It says in Luke 7.30, it speaks of those who rejected God's purpose for them. You can reject God's purpose for him, and they refused to be baptized by John, which was a baptism of repentance that led to Jesus. They rejected it. Don't reject God's purpose for you. He loves you. He's a great, good, awesome God. 
And that's when Job, you know what the, I believe the severest part of Job's trial was? Job was a radical man of God. There was no one like him on the earth, it says. He feared the Lord. He turned, he skewed, turned away, hated evil. Man, but guess what? The enemy got a hold of him because he blinded Job to God's love for him. And Job in Job 7, Job feels like dying. He says, I prefer strangulation to life. And why do you continue to torment me, you know, with, with, with visions during the day and with night terrors at, the, at night as though God was attacking him? It was Satan attacking him, right? And he says, I prefer strangling to life. And he said, why will you not forgive my sins? Well, guess what? The Lord was right there, ready to forgive his sins. Amen? And was forgiven his sins. But Job was blinded to God's love through his trial. Don't be blind. Man, this might be a two-part two deal. This is first one. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> I, you know, people say you don't look at your notes hard. I do look at my notes. You just watch. I, I look at them. And it's like, you know, but I get off them a lot. But that's a good thing because I pray that I'd be led by the Spirit too. And, you know, and, and test everything. Make sure it's biblical. But obviously, my, my heart and mind are held captive to God's Word. And, and all of us ought to be. But He wants us to... To recognize his love for us through a trial. That's huge. That we are not just loved, we are his beloved. Amen? That's heavy. It's a relationship. We're, we're the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say this because when I first came to Christ, I didn't know any Christians. I didn't know the gospel. So I'm opening the Bible, and I start reading it, and I'm like, God, will you even accept me? Because I was just a bad guy. You know, the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. We were all lost before we came to Christ. Amen. And I was like, and so, man, the enemy was battling me, but I, I was reading the scripture and praise God. I would come across scriptures where that helped me out a lot, where everyone I'd see coming to Jesus, he accepted. And then Jesus said in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, in the Greek's the present tense, whoever comes to me and keeps coming to me, I won't cast away. I was like, that verse stuck out like, Wow became an instant memory verse. I didn't have to memorize it. It was just, boom, memorized. Wow. And then Paul, wow, this guy's killing Christians, man. And then he gets saved and he says, God saved me, the chief of sinners, the worst of all sinners on the earth, who was persecuting and ravishing the church, breathing threats of anger, having Christians killed. There he was presiding over the martyrdom of Stephen, the Christian, but the Lord saves him on the road to Damascus. And he says, the Lord saved me. It's a, it's a faithful saying that that. Christ came in the world, Paul said, to save sinners, of which I am chief. And he said he saved me so others who would believe after me would, would understand that he'll save whoever comes to him. That's a blow mind. And that helped me out so much. I was like, wow, Father. And then I, you know, I'm going through one of the gospel accounts. I think it was John, but I can't remember exactly, but it was probably John because of the way he portrays the crucifixion as the tears were streaming. And I was, I was, my, my, I was, I couldn't believe his love for me. I was like, wow. You need to focus on Jesus. You need to focus on God's love for you. You need to focus on the cross when you go through trials and how good God is. Amen? That we are beloved. Amen? So uh, his nail-pierced hands, you know, what he went through for you. Number two, don't be surprised. Expect unexpected trials. And what I mean by that is the trials that you would expect, start to expect them as possibilities. Don't freak out and say, oh no, I'm going to get leukemia. Oh no, I'm going to, no, just say, there's a thousand and one different trials you can go through very easily anytime. Just say, I'm going to go through trials. It's part of the Christian walk. In fact, it's part of being a human being. 
You think non-believers don't go through trials? The psalmist said, I almost fell away in Psalm 73 because I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I thought, have I washed my hands in vain? Am I living a holy life? And while, while these guys are living wicked lives and they're prospering, then he said, I went to the sanctuary. The Lord showed me. He shows me that he puts the wicked in slippery places. And they're destroyed in the end. But he also shows me that he is my portion forever. Big picture. We need to be big picture people. That's why I'm always focusing on the big picture. Because if I understand the big picture, I can, it's very easy for me. I don't have to say, I don't need a thousand and one ways to apply things in my life because it's like, fear God, love him. Look how awesome he is. And it makes me just want to live a righteous life. You don't have to think about a lot of things. You just live the right, you just do what's right. He has shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do what's right, to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. You just live your life for Christ. You fear God and God, the Holy Spirit will guide you through things. Okay? But it gives us a lot of general things to apply to our lives. And then when you face crises, you apply those things and say, okay. And sometimes you have to, James 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You, you should be praying all the time. But sometimes you're going to be praying in your trial. Lord, I need to know specifically what to do here because there's not a chapter and verse. But guess what? A lot of times there is a chapter and verse. That's why you need to know the scripture, amen? amen. And the Lord would say, well, if you'd read your Bible, you wouldn't even have to be praying right now. I've already told you, you know. And now you're not giving much the time of day. You just said a little flare prayer. But I just said in that same word where I said, ask wisdom, a double-minded man, double man will receive nothing from the Lord. So the Lord's saying, you know what? Be serious. Be single-minded. Be focused on living for me and not yourself. And I'm not your bellhop. I'm not your co-pilot. I'm the pilot. You're going to either ride with me or you're going to ride alone and with the enemy. So we've got to be serious. Amen? So we shouldn't be shocked when we go through different trials. And today... Many, many professing Christians have, there are so many ex-Christians because they've bought into this lie of the prosperity gospel, that God always wants you to prosper, that the house also called the health and wealth gospel. So they portray Christianity as every Christian is going to be rich, right? Every Christian is going to be wealthy, you know, if they're following the Lord the right way. But if you're not healthy and you're not rich, you must not be following the Lord the right way. You must not have enough faith. And I don't have time to get into that because we've talked about that before. We'll talk about it again. There's a great video out called The American Gospel. You can check out uh, on this subject matter. Just go hit it on YouTube. It'll blow you away. It's very good. And we've covered, covered a lot of those issues in the messages and some of our podcasts and what have you. But it's, it's a heinous doctrine because it sets people up for a fall. Because they think, I can't get sick. And then all of a sudden, if they get cancer, they freak out. How could God let me? How could... It's like, wait, have you read the book of Job where he was inflicted from head to toe? Have you read that? Well, that's the Old Testament. And they'll say, they'll actually say Job is bad theology. What? Some of the statements. They'll say where Job says things like, you know, uh, naked I came in the world, naked I leave the world, you know. And he talks about how the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Oh, the Lord never takes away. Job's theology was wrong there. Because the, but the Bible says in the New Testament, in James chapter 5, Consider the sufferings of Job and his end. He's an example for New Testament Christians. That means Joe Schimmel could get inflicted, inflicted from head to toe. With, with, and Lord, have mercy on me, please. I want, you know, but, if you, but help me not be shaken too terribly, okay? Uh, but with, with boils, and, he's, and he loses his family and all these things. And guess what? Guess what I know I'd have? Some believers, even here, possibly blessed hope, would say, Joe must have really sinned. Man, for his whole family to die and him to have boils from head to toe and he's, and he's being attacked by these, he has to really sin. 
Well, that's what Job's friends were saying, who he calls kind of comically miserable counselors, you know. They were miserable counselors, right? And so, so they considered it a strange thing. So sometimes the trial is painful, not just because you consider it a strange thing, but because your friends think it's a strange thing. How could you be going through a trial? Well, God had pronounced him the most righteous man on earth. So when people are going through afflictions, don't you? Man, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. A lot of times it's the bads that you're righteous, you know. So, and as many as I love, he says, I rebuke and discipline. He chastens them. And Job was declared the most righteous man on earth at the time. So we must be careful not only for our own lives that we're not shaken by our trials, but that we're not also freaked out when others go through trials. We say this is part of it. But you know what? It's easier to say it's part of it when somebody else is going through it, isn't it? Than when you go through it. You have to be prepared for trials yourself. Some of us here will have fatal accidents and we'll lose, or we'll lose family members. Some of us here will get cancer. Some of us here, and it's part of this life. But you have to recognize you're in God's hands. He's in control. He has a plan to bless you in the long time, in the long run. Pray that, you know, I certainly don't pray, Lord, help me go through some really painful stuff. You know, I'm not a glutton for punishment, you know. But I say, make me like Jesus, Father, because that's your will. I know sometimes that entails going through some rough stuff because he uses chisels and sandpaper and hammers too <laughs> to, to perfect us. Amen. He uses slipses to, to, to make us like diamonds. So all this is very, very important. Wow, I need to move on, man. I'm in one and two in a long time. Lord, help me. Okay, in fact, it's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to encourage you not to do when you go through trials. Don't say, woe is me. Okay, just some practical things. Don't say, woe is me. I'm the one that goes through trials more than anybody else on earth. You know, uh, Murphy's Law, that's my law. No, everybody goes through suffering, amen? Everyone goes through hard times, okay? Uh, you know, it's interesting because Job says, uh, in Job, not Job, but in Job 5.7, it says, yet man is born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. We're born to trouble, guys. You're like, oh, right now there's trouble in my relationship. Yeah, you're born to trouble, okay? That doesn't mean there can't be more peace in your relationship. You need to get right or your spouse needs to get right or you both need to get right, you know? Uh, but other times there's going to be trouble just because Paul said, if you get married, you will have trouble in the flesh. 1 Corinthians 7, thus saith the Lord. You're going to have some trouble, right? But praise God if you're seeking the Lord and going for it. I'm married. I've been married for a lot of long time, man. We've been married like, man, it seems like 90 years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. I can only joke like that because my wife and I, we have a, a beautiful relationship in Christ. And it's not that we haven't ever faced trials you know, yeah, we've had some trials, but guess what? The love and the beauty of Jesus outweighs that by so much, you know? I was doing a little discipleship lately, and I was sharing with a brother that, and, and a sister that, hey, you know what? When you're in a pastoral role and you're going to have some hardships, you're going to face some things that break your heart. I go, but guess what? John says in First John, I have no greater joy than this to see my children walk in the truth. There's so much great joy in seeing people come to Christ and see people grow in Christ that it, it way overshadows the hard times. But there's times where the hard times will overshadow the joy as far as seeing people get saved because you're dealing with some ugly stuff. But you have to realize this will come to pass. Amen? So Peter says, now listen to this. In 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, you can actually go there since we're in 1 Peter, it'll be easy to go to. Go to 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be sober, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith, 
knowing that, now look at this, knowing, we usually focus on that part, but look at the next part. This part sticks in my brain a lot because I think it's powerful. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being what? Accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So you guys over in Asia Minor that are going through suffering, and some of them were suffering because it was there was not state-sponsored uh, persecution at that time all over the Asia Minor or and Northern Asia Minor, but there was. Guess what? There was guilds. It's hard to get a job in a guild because if you didn't burn incense to false gods, oh, you can't be part of this group. Hard to get jobs, hard to keep jobs, hard to get promotions. You know, how many of you have struggled getting a job because of your faith? How many of you struggled getting, you think you weren't promoted because you are a good example for Christ and you don't fit into the, you know, the new management, you know, has this whole, how many, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can get persecuted even in the world we live in today. But he noticed, he says, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. In other words, guess what? He's saying you're not in this alone. Don't say, man, how come I go through all the trials? You're not the one that goes through all the trials. There's millions of professing believers that go through, have been through all kinds of trials, and many of them worse than you have, okay? And there's brothers and sisters suffering everywhere for Christ, far worse than most American Christians are by far. They're losing their families. They're losing their lives. They're, they're being imprisoned. They're losing their, their freedom. So we have to keep this in mind. In the world, you will suffer uh, Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer still. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Verse 12, he says, take heed. Uh, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Then in verse 13, he says, there's no temptation. And we read that as temptation, but that Greek word just as easily could have been translated trial because it's the word translated trial in James chapter 1. Consider all joy when you go through various trials, right? So j- there he says, there's no temptation. The Greek word's parasmos which means trial or temptation. Every trial has a temptation. Every temptation is a trial. Because every trial you go through, there's a way to take the easy way out, man. Okay? So um, the scriptures say, and I think it's very, very important that we understand this, that, that there's no parasmus, there's no trial or temptation that's taking you that's not what? Common to man. So this is just the strangest temptation in the world. No, I can guarantee you other people have that temptation too, and they've overcome it, okay? You know how many people Satan is putting the temptation to, to deny reality, to deny their, their, their chromosomes, to deny how God made them, to say they're another sex because uh, either, uh, you know, some teachers put it in their head or, or some parent who wants to be popular among the, the group and is liberal and, you know, and saying, hey, oh, there's a, a hundred now different sexes you can choose. Be, and, you know, you'll get persecuted because you don't agree with all these pr- new pronouns and you're not using them perhaps, right? And you can suffer persecution because of that. And that's going to get harder and harder. Because you're going to be considered a bigot, you know? Because you won't go for the lie and say, well, you know what? Actually, not just my Bible, but praise God for my Bible. It says God made them male and female. But just reality, just science says that, you know, there's male and female. And people can say they're this, that, or the other. And it's sad because there's a lot of weirdness going around. But there's no temptation that's taken you that's not common to man. But God is faithful, it says, who with the temptation or trial will give you a way of escape that you may be able to endure it or bear it. Amen? Also, listen to this. I'm giving you a lot of verses that talk about, hey, there's trials are going to happen. In fact, the Bible actually says it's been granted unto you to suffer. Wow. It's like a gift. And it is a gift in a way. So in Acts 14, 21 and 22, listen to Paul and, and, and Silas and how they went around 
verse 22 says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Listen to this. Encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So guess what, man? We're going to face many, not few, many tribulations. So it's not, you're not just promised trials. You are promised many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. A lot of you already know that, right? We've been there, man. But hey, it's, you know, it's going to get uglier in some t- for some people. Some people won't get uglier because you've already been through the worst of it. But you need to expect the unexpected that may get uglier. And just say, you know what? I trust the Lord. He's a, his infinite wisdom and knowledge is a blow mine. He created the entire universe. He created my body. He created me. And he's promised, made me these promises. I'm going to trust him. Amen? I'm going to trust him. I like 1 Thessalonians 3.3. 3. It says, so that none of you would be shaken by these, th- these trials. And then it says, for, it's a conjunction, a connector, for, that you wouldn't be shaken by these trials. Why? For you know that we are destined for this. Why are they not shaken? Because they know something. They know what? That they're destined. Why won't they be shaken by trials? Because you know that you're destined for trials. You know? And there's an emphasis today in the prosperity movement. We're destined for the throne. And, we're, and that's not wrong to say you're destined for the throne. You are if you're trusting Jesus. We talk about that. But you can't only talk about that. Right? You have to talk about what's coming as well. I remember I did a message one time and I was going through verses that dealt with persecution and Christians who lost their homes. And some younger Christians were coming for to the fellowship. It was a brand new church. I mean, we were around for just a little while that time. And they were so gung-ho, so excited. And I said, yeah, you know, we could even lose our homes in the future. But we always just have to seek Jesus and recognize we have a home in heaven. You know, da-da-da-da. And they left the church. And the guy called me. So I'm so sorry. I love this church. But my wife doesn't want to go anywhere because we bought a new house. And you had a whole message about how we could lose it. I'm like, oh, well. It's like, grow up, dude. Take the skirt off. Put some pants on. No, I didn't say that. You know? Well, no, it, it's, I'm sorry, but it is a bummer when you, 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 somebody gets led away uh, because you don't like the Scripture, certain Scriptures, you know? Anyway, uh, 2, Thess- 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. All those who live godly, all, not some, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will, not might, will suffer persecution. Amen? All, that's all of us who are living godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You say, oh, well, that's not me. I'm living a wicked life. I'm safe. Oh, you're just going to burn. For, you're just going to burn forever. You're just going to burn for eternity. You know, all those who live, you need to repent, get right with Jesus. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution and evil men and imposters will get worse and worse, man. They're just going to get worse. And boy, oh boy, are they getting worse. People are so perverted. They're just coming out of the woodwork. You know, you, 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 the news is just like hard to watch these days, you know. So, and by the way, listen to Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. We're supposed to put on the full armor of God to resist in the evil day. Because guess what? We will face evil days. Job certainly did. Oh, well, that's talking about the tribulation period. It has an application to the tribulation period, but it doesn't specify that it's talking about the tribulation period. You want to stand during the tribulation period, but guess what? We will go through many tribulations, whether we go through the great tribulation in our lifetime or not, right? We'll go through many tribulations. That's why he says, what did Paul go, go around doing? Acts 14, 22, went about encouraging them to continue in the faith because it's through many tribulations that they won't enter the kingdom of God. What's he saying there? 
He wants you to continue. Don't quit and don't freak out because you're going to have a lot of trials. That's part of the deal. Okay? And that's why Christians that are taught biblically are stronger in their conversion, stronger in their, stronger in their grit when they go through trials, especially if you handle it biblically and seek the Lord through your trials and recognize the things we're talking about here. I mean, it's just, it's just obvious that you're going to go through trials as a Christian because you live in a fallen world with a lot of people that don't know Jesus, a lot of people that hate Jesus. You, you know, you'll go through trials. I mean, the mainstream main media, it's nothing like what people get, go through when they get hunted uh, throughout a lot of countries. But guess what? The ridicules, you know, professing believers. You may be the object of jokes at your work. You might be getting mocked behind your back and get a sense. You, you may not get invited to certain places because others... They don't want it, they, they don't, oh, he's a Christian, you know, he doesn't get drunk or whatever. Or some Christians, we don't want him around because we're getting drunk, you know, so not invite him. You might not get invited to a lot of things because you're not a, 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 because you're a serious Christian. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's going to happen. And you need to, when that happens and things like that happen, say, wow, you know what? That's part of the deal. I'm going to suffer persecution, it says. And it's worth it, man, because I've got Jesus. Amen? A lot of things can happen, you know. Uh, family members, brother betray brother. It talks about, Jesus said in John chapter, or Matthew chapter 10, don't think that I've come to bring peace on the earth, but a sword, and a man's foes will be they of his own household. Amen. Mother against daughter, and mother, da, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. You know, family members will persecute you. You have to know when that's happening, that this is part of the deal, and not freak out and say, well, Lord's got a purpose in this. By the way, God wants to use you in the midst of that to shine the light of Christ. That gives you an opportunity to be a witness and win people to Christ. When I first became a Christian, none of my family members were Christians. And some of them persecuted me more than others. But I loved them still because I realized they were blind at the time. And I won against six one way or another. You know, it's not that they all persecuted me, but probably those I engaged with the most and was sharing the gospel with most persecuted me. Just, and it wasn't like, oh no, I can't believe you stabbed me in the back when I was asleep. It wasn't like that. It was like, okay, I'm getting, you know, some, I'm getting some yelling. I'm getting some whatever. But praise God, you know what I was able to do is, is just keep sharing because guess what? I was worse than them before I was a Christian. I hated Christianity. So I like to remember it says in, in Titus chapter uh, 3 that you once too were like them. Well, I, was, I can remember I was like them and I was even worse, right? And you just shine the light. And one by one, my family members started coming to Christ. And then they're leading people to Christ, you know? And my friends started coming to Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. You just keep shining the light. But you will get persecuted. A sister right here in the fellowship who's here today came up to me a couple weeks ago and she shared, it was maybe a week ago, and shared a text or, or maybe two uh, from a gal that asked her, a, a, family, a, a relative, a relation. I can share that? Okay. Don't look around who's going up and down with their head. If you don't want to be known, don't, don't do that. But you're good. But she's like, look. And she said, I want you to lie for me so I can get this job and I want you to give me a fake urine sample. And she said, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And she said, you're, you're now dead to me, okay? Dead to her because she wants to do what's right. Even the world frowns upon false urine samples, okay? But here she's saying, I, I want to be, and guess what? In that, and I encourage her, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But she's being a light to her. She's planting those seeds. And those are the very seeds that God could use later because the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness and judgment. And he uses believers during our persecution to shine like never before. That's when we really shine, when we're persecuted and we show our love for Jesus. It's a great way to be a witness, amen? 
So just don't look at it as like wasted. God's changing you and bringing transformation to you through the trial, making you more like Jesus, but he's also reaching the lost through your trials. You have to keep all that in mind. That's much bigger than us being a comfort zone. We are not in, supposed to be in this full-blown comfort zone. We are in a fallen world. We are in an antichrist world. We're in a world that hates Jesus, okay? We're in a world where, where, where the children of God are with the children of the devil. And so we're going to suffer the persecution. You can't put a hyena and a lion in a cage together and think everything's going to be fine. You can't put a mongoose and a cobra in a cage together and think everything's going to be fine. Okay? We, you can't put Christians in a fallen world and think everything's going to be fine. Okay? We're going to go through some persecution. Now, uh, James 1-2. Consider it, and this, this is a great verse. Listen to this. Consider it all joy. A lot like we're reading here in Peter. In fact, when people think of having joy in your trials, they don't usually think of 1 Peter chapter 4. They usually think of James chapter 1, first couple of verses. Or they think of Romans chapter 5, exulting in your, joy, in your trials. Those are both great passages. But I wanted to go through some of Peter, 1 Peter. Consider all joy, my brethren. Listen to this. Consider all joy, my brethren. When? When, not what? When, not what? Not if. When, not if you encounter various trials, but when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Wow. So, also knowing that God's at work. But consider all joy for a reason. Because God's at work. But not if. When you go. And when he, that word encounter, I thought, that's an interesting Greek word, peripipto. Para, peripipto is a, just an interesting Greek word. And it's only used three times in the Greek New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek, right? And the words are, sometimes when you look at the Greek, it's far more expressive. You get greater precision theologically with the, the Greek language. Peripipto is only found three times. So when he talks about encountering various trials, the word is used of encountering in the New Testament and also in the New Testament Greek often, typically, of going through something that you don't expect. It's used by Jesus when he talks about the Good Samaritan who helped the guy who fell among thieves. Do you think the guy knew? Oh, I'm going to go down here and go over here and I'm just going to beat up by thieves and left for dead. No, he says he fell among thieves. Peripipto was used right there. It's also used in, in, in Acts chapter 20, uh, 27. When Paul's ship, it says it ran aground, okay? It says it fell between the two seas and the stern and the bow just crushed and they're sinking and, and Paul said to trust in the Lord. Or, or trust God's word, what he says. He's going to get you through this if you stay here and don't try to swim away. And God got him through. Peripipto, same word is used of that calamity. And James says, when those types of things happen, all of a sudden, wow, what happened? I, I was just beat up by a bunch of people. I can't believe it, Lord. No, don't think it's a strange thing, guys. These are, these are things believers can go through. I can't believe I was on a cruise and everybody told me a cruise is the way to go and COVID's over and it was great, it's so cheap. And then, well, it's getting probably more expensive now. And then, and our, of all ships that sank, I'm out here clinging to a piece of wood. How could this happen? Peripipto, man, you know, peripipto. You're encountering a trial and God says they're going to happen. Amen. Don't freak out. Say, okay, Lord, you are good and you've got a plan in this somehow, some way. Jesus replied and said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among peripipto robbers. Acts 2741, but having fallen into Peripipto, a place between the two seas, they ran the vessel aground. Wow. Remind yourself. Instead of saying, how could this happen? Say, how could I 
seek the Lord through this, and how can I be a blessing, and how can I honor God in this, okay? And say, instead of saying, uh, uh, you know, just, you know what, uh, one thing is to remember that God works all things together for the good, amen? Then you remind yourself that God's somehow working this for the good in my life, even though I don't see it right now at this time. Uh, so it's interesting. When we look at this, and the Christians that he's writing to, they weren't going through super heavy, some of them were, but most of the Christian, Christians in northern Asia Minor and the provinces that are mentioned, the five provinces at the beginning of First Peter, most of them are not going through like I said, state-sponsored persecution where the, the leadership is having them killed. That happened at different times throughout the Roman Empire. They're going through certain persecutions, though. But guess what would happen 50 years after this letter was written? In a couple of these prov provinces mentioned, specifically, out of the five mentioned, there were two provinces, Pontus and Bithynia, that are mentioned in verses 1 and 2. Remember that? We read those different provinces. Those two provinces had a governor named Pliny. And at that time, the Roman emperor was not Nero, but he was Trajan. Nero was killing Christians too. Paul was beheaded by him, we're, we're told by church history. But later, this is later, and they had been, they had been according to one Trajan. Before Trajan came, they had some relative peace. But 50 years after this letter, Trajan, the emperor, was having Christians executed and imprisoned. And Pliny was over two of the provinces where this letter was written to, Pontus and Bithynia. And he wrote a letter, which we have from Roman, the Roman records, to Pliny, the younger, wrote a letter to Trajan, the emperor, about how he was handling the Christians. So tell me if this letter would not help them. And it ought to help us as well. In fact, listen to what Pliny, the younger, wrote to Trajan, the emperor, okay? 50 years after this was written, in the early part, just after the first century ended. Pliny wrote to Trajan, quote, In the meantime, this is a plan which I have adopted... In the case of those Christians who have been brought before me, Christians was a bad word, okay? It was, you're called a Christian, that was a pejorative by the world. Uh, I asked them whether they are Christians. I asked them whether they're Christians. If they say yes, then I repeat the question the second time. And also a third, warning them the penalties involved. And if they persist, I order them away to prison. For I do not doubt that, uh, be their admitted crime that it may, uh, that their inflexible obstinacy, meaning their refusal to turn to the false Roman gods, surely ought to be punished. There are others he goes on to talk about, and he says a little bit more down, I skipped a little bit here, there's a lot to it, who denied that they were or had been Christians. Some were saying, oh, I'm not, I've never been a Christian. And called upon the gods with the usual formula because he'd give them formulas, okay, now call upon these gods if you're not a Christian. Reciting the words after me, so just like we might say, hey, you want to help you pray? Just seek the Lord and cry out to Jesus and be saved. They would recite things. This is true, this is true history, okay? Uh, calling upon the gods with the usual formula, reciting the words after me. And those who offered incense and wine before your image, because Trajan was to be worshipped as a god, those who offered wine and incense before your image, which I had ordered to be brought forward for this purpose, along with the regular statues of the gods, all such I considered acquitted. I mean, I'd let them off as long as they burn incense to you, especially, especially as they curse the name of Christ. Think about that, folks. Christians are being brought there, go to prison, you can go to death, 
and you need, to make, you, you need to make a confession for the false gods, and you need to curse the name of Jesus. That could happen to you in the future. That could happen to you. Guess what? Trajan, he has a long response. I'm going to read part of his response. Trajan the emperor wrote back to Pliny the Younger, writing, quote, You have adopted the right course, my dear Pliny, in examining the cases of those cited before you as Christians. For no hard and fast rule can be laid down covering such a wide question. The Christians are not to be hunted out. If brought before you and the offense is proved, they are to be punished, but with, res- with this reservation. If anyone denies he's a Christian and makes it clear he is not by offering prayer to our gods, then he is to be pardoned uh, on his recantation, no matter how suspicious his past. That's Trajan's response. That's heavy, guys. That's heavy, man. Now, it's interesting because guess what? If you read the history of Pliny the Younger, he's not considered a brutal guy. He was a beloved Roman ruler and lawyer and poet and considered a great family guy and just a, you know. And guess what? In society, he was upstanding, but the Christians, he was having them put to death. My point is this. When he first gained power, probably very few people thought, oh, this guy's going to have me trying to have me curse Christ. And it probably might have been a shock to a lot of people. But it wouldn't have been a shock so much if they were reading Peter's letter and in God's word. And they'd say, oh, this is exactly what Peter said would happen. This kind of stuff, right? Well, God, let God be true. Every man a liar. No, I'm not going to curse Christ. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to put my trust in him. So the word of God, it's very, very important that we heed and, and, and hold fast to God's word and not be moved and and that we expect the unexpected trials. Amen. So now other subtle forms, you know, uh, that you could go through is, you know, I mentioned uh, mass media. That's that you can feel kind of persecuted when you turn on MSNBC, right? (laughs) Uh, Subtle compared to other forms. Uh, CNN, right? All these lies and, you know, jokes behind your backs, things of that nature. Uh, all these things happening. Even, even something like it's harder to find a spouse in a world that's full of lies and death because you have very few genuine Christians that love Jesus. So, but that you, so you might be saying, man, I, I really struggle, man, because it's like people date everybody, but I want somebody who really fears and loves the Lord. It gets really, really tough. That's a struggle that you're going to go through that the world doesn't go through. But praise God, if you are faithful to the Lord, either he'll give you the gift of singleness, either he'll get you through it, other, or bring you a spouse, amen? His grace is sufficient in, the, in, the, in his time. And if you're praying, God, give me a godly spouse, well, make sure you're being a godly person because if that person is very godly, that guy or that gal that you're praying about, well, guess what? They're, if they're godly, they're praying for a godly person too, right? If you're not a godly person, you're not gonna be the answer to that prayer, okay? So you need to be serious about, about, about it, amen? So... Remembering number three, wow, guys, don't worry. We are not going to go late. If I have to chop this in two, praise the Lord, amen. Are we having a good time in the Word together? Okay, so we might only get through, well, we got to at least go through five. I did not want to do this, but I'm going to at least go through five. So number three, okay. Uh, remember that when you are going through trials, you are being tested, okay. He actually is quoting uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 31. He's alluding to Proverbs 11, 31. Look at verse 12 again. Beloved, do not be surprised 
at the fiery trial or ordeal, it's translated trial with many versions, among you, which come upon you for your, what? Testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. You need to recognize this is a test. You don't need to wait for the emergency broadcast system. This is a test. You need to say, wow, God already said I'm going to test. We're not in a playground. We're in a war ground. And God's promised us that we will win the test if we look to Jesus. Amen. We're trusting in him. We have victory. And I always tell people, man, praise God. God's the best tester. He's the best teacher ever. He gives us all the answers, right? He lets it be an open book test, right? And he'll sit with us and, and he lives in us and he shows us the answers as we seek him. And you make a mistake, he'll let you erase it and forgive you, amen? And then strengthen you to make it right next time. So nobody has an excuse for failing the test other than wanting to be your own God and being evil in your heart and saying, I'm gonna do my own thing. That's just messed up. That's all eternity then. You're separated from God. Why would you do that? So we are in a test. If look at look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, because Peter already mentions this earlier, 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by what? Various trials. So some of them were going through various trials. So that the what? Proof of your faith being more what? more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in what? Praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I praise God because God tests us not only to see our hearts and to see what's in them, brothers and sisters, but he also tests us to perfect us, amen? That we be the praise of his eternal glory. So if you keep that in mind, that you're being tested not only to prove your faith, but to be to the praise, I love what he says here, that you may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Think about Pete, what James says when he talks about consider all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the test in your faith produces endurance, and I didn't read this next verse, and let endurance have its perfect result. Perfect result. That you may be what? Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many of you want to be perfect someday? How many want to be complete someday? How many want to be lacking nothing in the Lord? Amen. Then listen to Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only this, but we also rejoice in our tribulations. There it is again, that exult, rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. How many want to be known and, 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 and persevere? Known to persevere in the end. And perseverance, proven character. How many of you want proven character? Amen. Or how many, how many say, no, I want evil, bad character? <laughs> Come on now. Okay, uh, how many, it says, proven character, hope. Hope that does not disappoint, it says. How many want hope that's certain, that you know exactly where you're going? Well, that happens with trials. Trials bring these things about. You go through trials just like you've exercised and you're working out. All of a sudden, you get better and better and you have more stamina, right? If you're going through trials that the Lord's allowing in your life and you're seeking the Lord through them, then you see him answer them. Then you see what his word says. Then you see how real he is. And then guess what? Your certainty, your hope grows because you're like, wow, he always comes through. Look at I see it over and over again, and he's coming through with me, and I'm going to trust him, amen? Your hope grows, amen? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Praise God. Now think about this. What did we just read? We read that it would be at the revelation of Christ, the praise and the honor, uh, uh, you know, it, it would be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. We read that we can get proven character. We read, because what we read is he said, this is more important than gold. Gold was considered so, that's like every gold. Man, that's it. But he said, no, this is more important. And you could not give me, 
I can, I can say without a, 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 a small smidgen and fraction of, of doubt in my life. You could offer me $100 million right now and say, but you have to give up proven character. You have to give up being made perfect and complete in Jesus. You have to give up uh, uh, being to the praise of his glory forever. I'm not even going to think about it for a second. I'm going to say, no, no. What does a, a prophet man do? He says he gains the whole world and loses his soul, amen? So guess what? Would, I, would people pay millions of dollars to have proven character to be perfect in the end? Yeah, they would. But guess what? I don't have to pay millions of dollars. I just have to trust Jesus through my trials. Amen? Because he's bringing that as perfecting our characters through the trials that we go through. Amen? Now you can start to invite trials. Not like you say, Lord, give me this. Let me go through that. No. But you can say, Lord, whatever you're sovereign, whatever you have for me, I know you'll give me the strength to endure. I pray, and I pray, but I do throw this part in there. But be merciful, Lord. I thought, be merciful, you know? But whatever your will is, but be merciful. But he is merciful, so you don't really even have to pray that, you know? Wow. Let me see. It's 11.07. Is that clock correct to the minute? Okay, we're good. We have 44 more minutes. No, just kidding. We don't. I'm teasing. Uh, I'm going to close with four instead of trying to rush and get five in. Number four, he wants you to remember that it will be worth it in the end. It'll be worth it in the end. Look at verse 13, the next verse. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. To the degree that you're suffering in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may, re you may rejoice with exultation. Look at the end result, okay? Look at, don't only, don't only uh, uh, recognize it's a test, but focus now on the end result. Last one, number three, you're realizing it's a test, Amen. And it's a test I've got to pass. And he has a plan with me. But I also recognize the very end that you're going to be rejoicing with the Lord for eternity. Amen? In fact, uh, the more we suffer for Jesus in the world below, the more, experience, the more we experience his glory in the kingdom coming. We'll be rewarded according to our works. That's really heavy when we think about it. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 1.18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And we know that God caused all things to work together for the good, verse 28, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For momentary, it's just momentary. It's not, remember your trials are just momentary. For momentary, light affliction, it's light compared to what Jesus went through, that's for sure, is producing for us, it's producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Wow. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to the things above. Amen. Those are four things. I've got six more. <laughs> I got through four. But praise God, I'm glad that we got through four instead of just one. Okay? And we're able to meditate on all four. But I want to encourage you guys. Look at the big picture. Amen. When you go through your trials. This, the Bible says your life is like a vapor, amen. It's here and it's gone. Just be faithful to Jesus because there's all eternity before us, amen. In the midst of it, recognize that he wants you to shine as a bright, beautiful light for Christ through whatever you go through. And I've seen Christians on their dying bed that have died way too young praising Jesus that I still stick out in my mind as people that, wow, that brother, that sister, man, they've impacted my life by how they've handled suffering, by keeping their eyes on Jesus and trusting him and being ushered into his presence, amen? I've also seen people fall away when they go through the littlest paper clip of a trial. It just breaks my heart because they bought some kind of lie 
or they weren't growing in their trials and they didn't show proven character in the end. And it breaks my heart. Don't let that be you, amen? So focus on the end game as well, where it all ends up in the end, amen? And let's pass out the bread and the cup because uh, we'll get out of here at 10.15. And the cool thing is, or 11.15, the cool